not as if you have John Roush releasing it at like seven and a half feet in the air and Marcus Stroman at five and a half. It's the bullpen that has been a, a, a flaming mess of sadness. Um, but uh, <laughs> I'm going to get that on a T-shirt. Okay, so you want to put a Reese's peanut butter cup instead of just a, a square of chocolate with the marshmallow and the graham cracker. That sounds all kinds of amazing. And welcome to episode number 27 of Artificial Turf Wars, where we prefer the seven-man rotation. I am your host, Greg Wisniewski, and I am joined, as usual, by Josh Housem. At great personal risk, I'm going to ask, how are you doing tonight, Josh? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Not much point in answering that question. Uh... I don't I don't recall the last time we actually recorded a podcast immediately after a Jays the Jays got swept. Yeah, there was a podcast way back when when I started it off with just saying this team. Yes. I'm not quite going to say that right now because they are technically as of this recording still in first place though by the time we're finished they might not be. How about just right now they fucking suck. <laughs> You could say that. You could say that. Uh, let's see. I was thinking earlier about what what it reminded me of, and it, I was kind of thinking that it's like watching them is like watching a fish on the bottom of a of the boat, and it's flopping around, and you know that the things that it's doing, it, it definitely thinks should be useful and helpful, uh, but under the current circumstances, it's really not getting any results, and and it's doomed um, until it gets back in the water. That's how I feel watching and and trying to track what this team is doing. There's a lot of flopping around and not a lot of results. Yeah, it's it's funny because last week we finished the podcast. Hey, they were five and three this week. Oh, that's pretty good. And this year it's like, oh, they're five, one and five. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's just it's sort of what we talked about last time, too, that aside from that twins, and you, I remember you were saying, like, it's like, yeah, well, they hit the Twins, but you're not going to see, you know, pitching like that in the postseason. Well, they're not going to see pitching like that in the rest of the season, really, regular season much either. It is. And they're uh, not hitting it. No. And it doesn't seem to matter right now who the opposing pitcher is, even if he's not very good. The Yankees certainly did not, you know, roll out a bunch of fantastic starters out there. And they didn't get Are any. Are you telling me that Luis Sessa <laughs> does not strike fear in your hearts? I'm telling you also that that the or Brian Mitchell who I literally do not know who Brian Mitchell is. He's the guy who started this game. I know that, but that is, that is the sum total of my knowledge about Brian Mitchell. I know more about Preston Claiborne than I know about Brian Mitchell. <laughs> uh, yeah. Now all that said, mm-hmm. I understand the angst. Because at this time last year, the Jays were just really starting to to turn the screws on the rest of the division and run away with it. But all that said, this really is the first time they've lost three games in a row since 63 games ago. Yeah. I mean, and that's obviously you're like the point there is that it's worse now than it has been in a long time. But it's not just the three in a row. Like if they'd won... You know the first game of the Yankee series instead of the Tampa one, last game of the Tampa one, or something like that. 
Oh, well, I guess they would have lost three in a row there as well. But the point is they've been playing poorly for quite a while now, really. Well, Especially on Minnesota. offense. Yeah. Yeah, the, yeah the, well, Minnesota's definitely. like playing a triple-A team. I mean, that doesn't even really count. They're dead last in baseball. Yeah, they were eliminated from playoff contention yesterday or today. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> a team that was knocked out at the beginning of September. So, you know, they often hitting against them. As I said last time, it's like, good, that's what they should do. But, you know, until they start doing it against someone else, it, it's, it's, it's a problem right now. It's not just, oh, they had a bad few games. It's been bad for three weeks. And it was bad in April and for a good chunk of May. I, I'm not saying it's going to get better. I, I wouldn't. I don't make predictions because they're dangerous things to to go about. I'm just saying that we've seen this team pull out of a funk with no apparent uh, change in circumstance, except they just started to play better. So, is yeah, there, there's no sky is falling. Yeah. This you know, about about all this is, you know, it's not the season's not over. It's you know, uh, I, I can I get how people are reacting that way, thinking like. You know, this team just caught. They had a five-game lead on the Orioles as of the last time we recorded, and now it's down to a game. Yep. They're, they're a game, or no, I guess it's two games out of not being in the playoffs right now, let alone the division. Which says more about the division than it does about, or about the American League than it does about the Blue Jays. It doesn't, it doesn't. I mean, yeah, yes, there are better teams this year than there were last year. But, you know, the Jays had this... You know, they had a commanding lead. I mean, if you have a five-game lead on a postseason spot at the start of September, that's supposed to be pretty safe. And they've coughed it all up almost in a span of a podcast. Which makes me think that maybe our perception of what's supposed to be safe. No, it's no. this is historically. Like, if you have that kind of lead, it's very, very hard to overcome. Or, to sorry, that kind of deficit is hard to overcome. It's not about perception. It's like statistically, that's just the truth. And we, we we may find out by the end of next week that that's absolutely true. That in the long run, they maintained that playoff position or or got you know two or three games back. I, I'm it, like you said, it's not doom and gloom. It's just I don't I don't think fans who've been watching this team climb into first place and and scratch its way there because it was a long hill to climb first over the Orioles. Uh, and then suddenly Boston was was nipping at their heels instead of the Orioles. I think the the dissonance of oh now it's 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 not continuing anymore is just a whole lot to take. Um, well, I think the part of the problem is that this whole season it was the team is better than it's playing. The team is better than it's playing. The team is better than it's playing. And finally, it started playing reasonably well for most of June and July. And they got to first place in August. And it's like, okay, they're finally there. And then they went back to severely underperforming. And that's the point that's just so frustrating. It's like, why can't they just play to their talent? Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, I often look up at the, you know, the app and I go, oh, runner on second. And I look down, it's like, oh, and there's two outs. But it doesn't even seem to matter when this team is playing as poorly as it is if that runner's on second with nobody out. No, they, they had that today a couple times and didn't score. Yeah, they, they don't. I'm not going to cry for fundamental baseball like bunting people over and, and this and that. But they don't seem to be able to move the line very well at all Or when in the last few weeks. That, okay, then if I don't get the hit, if I have to take the walk, 
or if I just ground out and move the runner. I The next guy is not going to try and swing for the fences. He's going to do whatever it takes to get on base to move the line. I, and there's no reason that they should be pressing because this lineup is at full strength. It's It's got an Upton in it who is, in theory, a decent player as well to give a, a respite, and he's no he should be better than Ezekiel Carrera. Um, I don't I don't understand why they're pressing, which I think would people look for answers. They go to silly things like naps, uh, team naps or team meetings or whatever else is to, to get that idea out in the open that it's okay. You don't need to be pressing. We all need to get back on the same page. I don't know if that works very often. I think it's just people feel they have to do something in order to address it. Yeah, I mean, I kind of, I, I get that, but this concept of pressing, it, it's very vague, and um, we don't know what's wrong, so we're going to say they're pressing. But at some point, there have to be adjustments that get made, right? Not just, oh, you know, we just got to relax, we got to play our game. It's maybe we should do something different. I mean, because right now the Jays are far and away the league leader in striking out looking as a percentage of their strikeouts. And there's, I think there was one yesterday where Martin struck out on a pitch that was clearly in the strike zone. I mean, it wasn't even close to a ball, and he started arguing. It's just it's as if they don't have a concept of what a ball and a strike are right now, which is very strange. Since that's not historically how any of these hitters have gotten Correct. their way through the league. Yeah, that's the baffling part about it. It's like these are guys who the, their biggest calling card is their strike zone command. So we have the same hitting coaches last year with a whole lot of the same hitters as last year. So are are these guys thinking that they're go they're never going to get challenged in the zone because their reputation is being uh, a threatening offense is there so they they they're expecting you know to get the corners painted on them and and the truth is that a lot of pitchers are going to challenge them anyway and they need to adjust to that. Well, I don't know. Well, Brooke Jacoby was saying that basically like they got to get back to hitting the fat looking to hit the fastball because they are just getting beat with pitches in the strike zone. It's as if they're looking to be, you know, have guys throw junk out of the zone to get them to chase because they know they're such good hitters. Because I think that's what they got used to the attack in, in the beginning of the season is people were throwing them a lot of junk because last year they beat the crap out of everybody. Yeah. And now they're just waiting for the junk. And when the, the good pitches to hit come, they're not able to pull the trigger on them. And that's how you see a, a starter maybe with a, a 91, 92-mile-an-hour fastball slicing and dicing through the lineup because that fastball plays up when they're trying to find a curveball or you know looking for a changeup that never comes. Meanwhile, you just described Marco Estrada. <laughs> yeah, but that hasn't even been working for Marco too well lately. <laughs> Do you want to talk about yeah. why that hasn't been working? We haven't even talked about the pitching. Which well, we, I think we moved on from the hitting. Just they suck right now, and they should be better. And we hope they'll be better, but we can't guarantee they'll be better. <laughs> well, that's great. We we can't guarantee anything. <laughs> God, no. we'd be getting big bucks if we could. You know, at this point, I'm not entirely certain that if if next week is like this week, that people aren't going to tune in and this is going to be a, a a podcast about competitive video gaming or something. Well, then you have to be recording with somebody else. <laughs> well, we don't have to know anything about it. We just have to not be depressed about watching it. Yeah. Uh, so you want to talk about the pitching. So Estrada's an interesting case. Uh, he had those two really rough starts where he was on extreme rest. Extreme rest. A- I like that. 
<laughs> you know what? Pitchers are a bit slaves to routine. You know, when, when guys have longer rests, especially command guys, it can be an issue. For a guy like Aaron Sanchez, extra rest just gives him more power. Right? Mm-hmm. So Estrada was very bad in those two outings, and then he had his regular four days rest and dominated Baltimore. Absolutely tore them apart. And then he had again the regular rest against the Rays, and for the first four innings was untouchable. And they just fell apart in the fifth. And the same thing happened to Hap when he was pitching against the Angels recently. For some reason, they just had that one bad inning. So I actually think those two guys could still be okay. Uh, Marcus Stroman, despite throwing a seemed like a million pitches in the first three innings and giving up uh, a home run, he, he did only end up giving two runs up in the game tonight. I didn't even look what inning He's, he got through. He pitched five. He's, no, eminent, he's actually been much better. But he's hittable, I guess, is the thing. He's striking a lot more people out. He's he's stepped up that part of his game. But there's a lot of hard contact against Marcus still, mm-hmm. which is the opposite. Well, I, I guess it's highlighted because the other pitchers in this rotation are specialists in super soft contact. Well, I think part of that just, you know, this is the issue that always was going to plague Stroman is that his size is that when he doesn't execute a pitch properly, it's coming in on a very hittable plane because he's shorter. So he is more prone to hard contact. Now, his stuff is so good that he can, he can get by with it. But, you know, that's just going to be a negative of his stature. I mean, you know, height doesn't measure heart, but it does measure plane. So I, I would like to see the, the, a, a real objective study about how much difference there is in that plane based on where guys actually release the ball. It is. I, I've seen it. It's legitimately a few inches or a few degrees, uh, 10, 15 degrees or something like that in angle. It's, it, maybe I'm not. It's it's noticeable difference. I can't remember the exact numbers. Yeah, it seems like it shouldn't be that much because so many guys are stretched out and and their their hands are so far out in front of them. It's not like you're releasing your your pitch at you know over your head as far as the the the, the angle no. that you're working with. No, no. So yeah, it's like a, it's not as if you have John Roush releasing it at like seven and a half feet in the air and Marcus Stroman at five and a half. <laughs> <laughs> but there is a difference. Which is fair. Uh, it's interesting you talked about throwing a zillion pitches. That's what happened to Happ his last time out, right? He threw 85 pitches through two and two-third. <sighs> He's the interesting one of, of all of them. You know, Sanchez is still great, right? Dickey mm-hmm. is Dickey. You just never know what you're going to get from one on to the next. Happ is the one. He's coming up on his career high in innings pitch. Which is odd to think about. Yeah, well, he's never been a guy who could go deep in games, but... If in his next start, if he goes seven and two third, he will tie his career high. Now, have we looked at his total pitches thrown just as a, a contrast to that? Has it... No. There, we'll, <laughs> we'll look that up for next next podcast. We'll tell you, uh, even though he's going to hit his high in innings pitched, w- will Jay Happ hit his high in pitches thrown? Because I feel like his efficiency should be helping him in that department, or so we've been told. You'd think so, but I mean, it's just, I mean, like, yeah, any pitches, we talked about this, is a horrible way to measure, you know, a pitcher's fatigue or, yeah. or stress or anything like that, right? But actually, he's thrown more pitches this year than last year because he's more pitches per game or, than he did with uh, Seattle and Pittsburgh. But, you know, it's just, it's just a base measure. It's that he's coming up on a level where he has never exceeded. Well, other than R.A. Dickey. Is that not true of the entire rotation now? Well, no. Estrada definitely is not. 
Because Estrada's missed a, you know, he started the season on the DL and okay. he missed some time in the middle. Right. No, I was just thinking that he spent time in the bullpen last year, so he would also not have a full season. But this isn't a full season. He but also we... threw up two innings last year, but if you include the postseason. Mm. Yeah, that's no, the other I thing mean... about innings limits. We, we tend to not know what to do with those postseason numbers very much. We don't. I think they should absolutely be included. Well, yeah, but they. It, it seems like they sort of. It's it's always he threw X number of innings uh, plus the postseason, and it gets kind of. It gets a little well, vague. I guess, that, I guess the reason that people separate them is because you have you know various levels of stress that change from regular season to postseason. But no, he's not a threat. So Sanchez is coming up on you know way over his career. Stroman mm-hmm. way over Hap way over. You know, it's interesting to watch how that's going to play out because it could be a factor. You know. We don't know. But if and, guys start to struggle that have been good all year, it could be a reason. And Liriano ended up in the bullpen. That was for now. I don't. I, <laughs> well, let's talk about this. I mean, they're, they're, I wanted to get into this the rotation shuffle. Right now, it's like they're literally playing it series by series based on how the team is playing and how their opponent is playing and the standings. Now, Atkins said this on the radio. So, in one breath, you go, well, pitchers. Not are creatures of habit, and and this is why we're doing one thing one way, and then you turn around and you go, but we need to play these matchups and the perfor- recent performances, so we're doing it this way. No, but they're including that into it as well, right? He basically said it's like they don't know from start to start, but they you know they're weighing in opponent matchup standings, how how the pitchers are feeling, how the opponents are playing, et cetera, et cetera, right? They're winging it. It's just. Yeah, yeah. It's just they don't know. And and it's very interesting to go through a September like that, whereas last year it was just like, oh, these are going to start every five days and then we'll throw Hutch in there when we need a day off. I, I hope it, this all works out. I hope they, they have the crystal ball. Um, is there anything, are there any other highlights or lowlights here that you want to cover with the team? Because uh, we do have a, an extended interview coming up. Well, I mean, there isn't really Gurley? a whole lot to talk about from this week other than just complaining. Well, Let's just let's just get this full circle. The defense and the base running haven't been very good either. So, the good news here is it can't get worse than it's been. Oh, oh, there's it, folks. Uh, we may be hearing that clip next week, right? No, no, no. It can't get worse because literally every part of the team, including the bullpen, has been bad. Although the bullpen has had its good points as well. All right. Well. I will hold my breath, and we will hope for a better week coming up. That week is going to include a series against the Boston Red Sox by the time we talk to you next, so we thought we would go and find our good friend Matt Corey, and we would ask him about what's up with the Boston Red Sox and what we asked him, and his responses are coming up right after this. And we welcome back on the program Matt Corey, who you may be familiar with from both his work in uh, Cat Fancy Magazine and Scientific American. Mr. Corey, welcome to Artificial Turf Wars once again. Uh, Thank you very much. It's always a pleasure to be here. Uh, So I invited you on, uh, or we invited you on, hoping that we would be be tasting delicious Red Sox fan tears the whole time. But it doesn't appear to have worked out that way due to scheduling conflicts. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and and team performances um so we record this before the games are complete tonight with a a tie atop the american league east between the boston red sox 
and the Toronto Blue Jays. From your perspective, I guess, sort of, how did we get here? Uh, how did we get here? Um, I don't know. Was it wasn't that unexpected that we would all kind of find this sort of jumble at the top, right? I mean, I guess the the weird part of it is more the Orioles than anything else. Also, something I wasn't looking forward to. Yeah, Yeah, but I think if you ask anybody at the beginning of the season, it'd be like the Jays and the Red Sox will be fighting for this division. Yeah, yeah, and and you know they're both uh, I would say good teams and both uh, flawed teams. So, um, I, I'm, I'm in, in no way surprised that, you know, these two teams are around, you know, 550, 560 winning percentage and, um, sort of, you know, alternately playing well and playing badly and, you know, kind of, <laughs> uh, bouncing around a little bit like that. Um, I, I think this, yeah, I think this is, uh, unlike a lot of baseball as, as, uh, as the meme goes, this, this was actually predictable. Now, are you enjoying watching the 2015 Blue Jays playing in Boston where they can hit like crazy and their pitching is mediocre? Yeah. <laughs> you know, the funny thing about the Red Sox, the last uh, month or so, I think their starters have the best ERA in, in baseball. Um, it's the bullpen that has been a, a, a flaming mess of sadness. Um, but uh, <laughs> I'm going to get that yeah, on a T-shirt. I, <laughs> but the... Um, yeah, the rotation has been has been particularly good, and and the uh, um, the lineup has has been really up and down. Um, I don't know if your listeners paid much attention when the Red Sox were in Oakland recently. Um, I I honestly don't remember the two the scores of the first two games, but the but the total was something like twenty seven to three. Um, the Red Sox won each of them going away, uh, and then. The uh, the third game of the series, um, their starter carried a no hitter into the eighth inning, uh, and they lost that game. Uh, so yes, on a walk off, on a yeah, double and yeah, an error, a walk off error. This I believe the third uh, walk off error the Red Sox have this year um, uh, that they've, you know, uh, on them. That that. Uh, what was against the Jays? Uh, when Hanley dropped a throw to first. Yes, yes, that's correct. Correct. Sorry. Sorry for the exuberance there. I don't know what that came from, but uh, <laughs> but, but yes, you're correct. Um, but yeah, it's it's sort of odd that the uh, you know the the area of concern you know with the Red Sox is kind of bounced around. It's always there. It's just in a different spot. Yeah, and I, I think that's the thing that we tend to forget when we look back on years past is is how inconsistent an individual team can be over over a two or three week span in the season they, they can they can have all the hitting and none of the pitching and then turn around and, and reverse that and and by the by the end of the year right you look at the, the statistics and it's like oh, oh well that's a typical season for so and so and we have that on the blue jays is there anyone who's particularly streaky on the red Sox that's driven you crazy with either how good or how bad or, or both that they've been because we're, we're about to see these guys come into town and i'm curious who's hot and who's not uh, well, Pedroia has been killing the ball, um, and uh, so that's been fun to watch. He's been at, at, at the top of the lineup. Um, Ortiz has been Ortiz, um, but he's been sitting a lot recently because uh, they're in they're playing a bunch of National League games. So, um, as for uh, streaky players, I, um, Jackie Bradley been really really off and on. Um, so if, if he's you know, if he's on, you can expect you know a, a two homers, two double series. 
Uh, if he's not, it's going to be a ton of strikeouts and ground balls to second base. Um, but um, he had a home run the other day, but there's been also a lot, a lot of strikeouts there. Uh, so I don't, I don't know which way that's going. Um, he's, he's the guy that kind of makes their lineup, uh, you know, really sort of stretches it. Um, they've got, uh, well, I don't know who they've got at third base now, um, but, <laughs> but the, the top, uh, the top five or so of the lineup, which, um, you know, uh, Pedroia and Bogarts and Ortiz and, uh, and Betts and, uh, bah, oh, Hanley, um, are uh, are all you know having having fantastic seasons, uh, but it sort of peters off after that, and that's kind of been 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 the problem over the last couple of weeks. Um, and 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 Bradley's kind of at the center of that. When he's hitting, that lineup kind of rolls right around. Um, and and when he's not, they they have uh, they have some issues back there. Um, oh, I and I I will certainly be uh, drawn and quartered by uh, Red Sox Twitter if I fail to mention Sandy Leone and the the <laughs> that he is. Um, so yeah, I don't know if I answered your question. I might've. Yeah, I think you covered it pretty well. Okay. And uh, so uh, just specifically with this series, you obviously mentioned some of the hitters that are coming in hot or not. Uh, are you surprised that Farrell and whoever else is in the brain trust didn't line up price to pitch in this one? Obviously he's got, uh, Rodriguez who took that no hitter you were talking about and he's got buckles has been pitching well lately, but are you surprised that the ACE isn't going? Uh, I actually haven't even looked at the pitching matchups. Um, who who do they have running? Sorry, I should have done that ahead of time, but you're fine. Oh, no, that's all right. So, <laughs> yeah. Jeez, why do we have this guy on here? Uh, so the first game is Porcello, and then it's Rodriguez, and then Buckholz. Porcello, Rodriguez, and Buckholz. Uh, and they juggled it so Buckholz would would start Sunday and give someone else an extra day. That's what I just read coming in here. <laughs> <laughs> you don't, oh, you don't like buckholes against the blue jays oh, no, I actually, you know what it's, it's funny i actually probably one of very few red Sox uh, fans who have defended buckholes all year but um i i i've heard you guys talk about how uh, gibbons will play some hitter um over another because you know he's faced that pitcher four times before and he has two hits something yeah, yeah. like yeah <laughs> uh i i get the sense that that's what this is uh, buckholz has a good history against the blue jays um now the blue jays are an above average offensive team uh, there's no you know <laughs> there's there's no logical real reason to uh, to do that unless unless price is is dealing with something um no apparently with, they just want price to pitch the last game of the season against the blue jays Oh, okay. Well, yeah. No, Seems no. a bit early for I, that. The the truth is, I Price hasn't been the best pitcher for the Red Sox this year. I mean, the last I would say two and a half months, he's he's been one of the one of their two best. Um, but Porcello has been their best pitcher, um, and so I my guess is that that's that's kind of the way that they're working it. Um, but uh, all of the pitchers, all the starters, with uh, with the exception of um, Rodriguez, when he when he came off the disabled list immediately, um, have been have been really good. Um, so I'm, I I can see why they're just kind of kind of rolling with it and, and not not setting things up too much at least at this point. All right. 
Well, so, yeah. So now in, in that thing I just mentioned, Porcello would be the guy that pitches now the wild card game. So it seems to me that's how they want to set it up. Yeah. So I, I would figure that if they were in the wild card, that's what they would do. They would either get Porcello to throw that game or Price to throw that game, and then have the other guys start. Um, you know the the division series if if they win that. So I'm sorry. Um, do, do the Red Sox not have another off day till the end of the season? If one or two. So uh, I don't know. It, is it imperative that they juggle that now in order to establish? <laughs> <laughs> like it seems like they're a little ahead of themselves, like, given all the things that could happen in the remaining three weeks. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, they've got one off day this Thursday, and then it looks like uh, one more on Monday the twenty sixth. So, yeah, unless there's some injuries, I don't think they're expecting Stephen Wright to pitch anymore this year. That's what I keep hearing. No one said anything about how there's something specifically wrong with him. And in, in fact, he had some tests done on his shoulder that didn't show anything. Um, and and yet all the re- reporters are saying, yeah, he's probably not going to pitch anymore this year. So, uh, all right. Um, so that kind of puts Buckholz into that rotation. But that's about the the only thing. Other than that, um, you know, they'll just be going every five days, and um, they've all been they've all been pitching well. So, you know, whatever. <laughs> They're going to have to win one more than the Blue Jays, uh, one way or the other. So, are you getting any sense of worry from the fan base or? Or from the media about this upcoming series specifically? Oh, oh, this series. Uh, Yeah. No, uh, obviously there's going to be worry going forward. I mean, it's a tied race and everything like that. But I meant for this upcoming three games. Um, no, but I live in Portland, Oregon. Uh, If I lived in Boston, I'm sure it would be (laughs) different. Uh, It's kind of one of the advantages of not living in Boston. Uh, (laughs) But uh, I'm sure that that you know people are looking forward to it. The you know this is this is kind of the you know, the, the fun part of the schedule, really, uh, you know, the Red Sox have six games left against the Blue Jays. They've got a, a billion against the Orioles. They've got uh, six against the Yankees. Um, it's it's uh, and, and, you know, everybody is, is is jammed right at the top of the of the AL East, like we've talked about. I mean, even, even the ridiculous Yankees are still in it. I, I can't explain that. Um, the Jays well, are helping them stay in there right now. That's yeah, that's awful generous of them. Um so, uh, yeah, it, it's just going to be, uh, you know, at least punch each other in the face and then switch partners um, kind of thing for the rest of the rest of the time. It's I, I'm excited. It, it's going to be uh, going to be fun or or horrible. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think that summed it up pretty nicely, actually. Well, the Jays <laughs> lost the heartbreaker last night uh, because of, you know, bases loaded down one run. Batons is struggling, et cetera, et cetera. And a lot of people have reflected on Twitter, oh, that's disappointing, and that was a crushing game, and, and what a way to lose. And I'm like, but it was really entertaining. The lead changed like three times in the last nine outs or whatever. It, that, that's the baseball you want. You And probably you're going to end up on the wrong end of it from time to time. Complete lie. <laughs> You don't, don't want, want that, that baseball. At all. You want to win fifteen mean, nothing every this night. Is, this is a lot better than than being the Rays now, right? I mean, oh, you, I want the team to be in it for sure. I just don't want games like that. <laughs> They're going to make me die ten years early. <laughs> oh, I I understand. I totally do. Yeah, the the game where the Red Sox lost to get, lost to the Padres and Edwin Jackson was just excruciating. Um, it, it just basically an hour and a half of me screaming at the television. You've got to be kidding me. <laughs> Which it turns out doesn't help. Uh, oddly. Um, <laughs> Keep huh. trying. Yeah. Really? Yeah. 
who would have who would have thought um but uh but yeah this is this is the this is the fun part so i won't repeat myself anymore to say that who all right who, when the jays are coming to town do you want to avoid in the rotation i'm curious from the the outsider's view which pitcher would you are you happy to skip i don't know that there is one um I, I'd kind of like to beat up on Marco, Marco Estrada for what he did to the Red Sox last year. Um, but uh, from from what I've I've heard, um, and you guys can definitely correct me if I'm wrong, um, there hasn't been really a, a, a standout uh, Blue Jays starting pitcher over maybe the last month or, or three weeks, something like that. Like everybody's had a little bit of struggle, um, which maybe – you know, is, is why you guys have fallen back into a tie with us. Um, us, cause I play shortstop for the Red Sox. Um, <laughs> looking <good>. apparently, <laughs> um, Sanchez is kind of the exception to that. Right, right, right. That's true. That's true. Um, is, what is the current, I shouldn't ask you this on your podcast, but what, uh, what is the current status of him? Are they just gonna keep, cause there was, there was talk of him, uh, in the bullpen or sitting down for a while or you know sending him on a space mission to limit his innings <laughs> they did that straight so. up to be determined right now that was that was the latest news from uh, oh. from from the jace gm ross atkins <laughs> all right good stuff good stuff that sounds uh that sounds uh, almost as wishy-washy as john farrell and uh, the yohan mancada situation nice segue because i was just going to talk about him <laughs> it's true what? <laughs> now what is that like i mean, I mean the, the concept of watching a guy like that. I mean, he's this guy had a handful of at bats only in double a, and he's now playing games in the thick of a pennant race. Is that, I mean, extremely frustrating to watch. Is it sort of exciting to see this prospect? I mean, how do you view that? Uh, it's, I mean, it's both, right? It, we've been hearing about this guy since they signed him for 31 and a half million dollars or whatever it was. Uh, uh, you know, a couple years ago, and then of course there's the hundred um, percent penalty for going over the, uh, you know, the the international uh, signing bonus, uh, so uh, limits. So, you know, they they in effect paid sixty something million dollars uh, to sign this this guy, um, and he's been on the you know the top uh, or near the top of all the all the prospect lists you know for the past year. So. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm certainly excited to see him. I think everybody was really excited to, you know, to see him. Um, but I, I, I get the sense that not only, uh, and it's bad when I'm lumping Red Sox Twitter and actual Red Sox in together. Um, but <laughs> so earlier, like the um, the Red Sox had a bunch of injuries in the left field, and uh, they ended up bringing up Andrew Benintendi, who was their first round pick last year, um, and and has played really well in the minor leagues. Um, and they brought him up straight from double a, which, you know, is an uncommon thing to do. It's not unheard of, but it's uncommon. Um, and, and Ben Intendi, uh, you know, came in and, and played extremely well. Uh, he, he made a couple rookie mistakes. Um, but overall he hit, hit the ball hard. He was selective at the plate. He took some walks. He hit for some power. He played a good left field. Um, you know, he was basically exactly what, uh, he had been minus a little power in double a. Um, and it wasn't too hard to see that coming because, um, of how he had played in double a, you know, he, he wasn't like he was hitting a ton of home runs and striking out half the time. I mean, he was, 
he was a really well-rounded player, you know, a strong defensive player who didn't have mental lapses. He had played at a high level in college. Um, he, you know, hit for power, hit for average. He was smart on the bases, et cetera, et cetera. So it wasn't, you know, you, you didn't expect that he would be overwhelmed when he showed up. Moncada is not that. Moncada is a, a much more raw guy who, you know, makes uh, makes use of his, his speed and his power, but is inexperienced at um, at third base, is inexperienced uh, in pro ball. Um, and, you know, there there definitely were some some things that you could probably point to in his double-A record that, um, you know, were concerning. Not, not necessarily concerning in the sense that this guy's not going to be a good major leaguer, but concerning in the sense that um, I don't know if he's going to be able to handle major league pitching. Um, I mean, he struck out 30% of the time in double A. That's not great. <laughs> <laughs> His slash line was really good. Um, but he, that's a lot of striking out. He made uh, a number of sort of head scratching, um, errors, uh, that, that young players sometimes do not, not errors of, uh, you know, a physical nature, but error, errors of a mental nature, um, just uh, not trying hard enough on on easy ground balls and that kind of thing. Um, and again, you know, we find a, a lot of times players grow out of that sort of thing. Um, but it, it wasn't hard to see that kind of thing translating to the major leagues, and that's sort of exactly what we've seen. Um, sort of exactly. Wow. Um, <laughs> I like that. Yeah, I don't know what that means. Uh, anyway. Uh, that that is exactly what we've seen. We've seen him make some boneheaded errors. We've seen him strike out a ton of times, um, and you know he's had some hits too. He's he's a very physically talented guy. We've seen him make some impressive throws from third base, um, but the overall package uh, just doesn't look ready. And uh, that's I can't say I'm surprised by that. Um, and so as to Farrell, um, I think a couple days ago. Um, he basically said, okay, Yon Moncada is our starting third baseman, and Travis Shaw, who's been starting all year but who's been struggling, is not going to play third base anymore. He's going to play left field, and some of the beat writers were, were showing him in left field before the game taking fly balls. Like, wow, okay, that's, <laughs> that's an extreme step. Uh, and so then that day, uh, Moncada struck out three times, uh, and then yesterday, Moncada struck out four times. Um, that's seven straight strikeouts. Um, I can count really good. And uh, then today, Farrell uh, basically said, we're going to let Moncada sit for a little bit, and Travis Shaw is going to play third. <laughs> that's what the Blue Jays doing there in Sanchez earlier in the season. I was like, are you kidding me? I mean, I, I actually think that's the right thing to do. Um, I think it's important to, uh, to admit your mistakes um, and to not harm the team. But... I think it was an ill-considered uh, choice from the beginning. So, um, and it's sort of unfortunate that they had to put this guy in the situation, um, you know, to fail in 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 front of uh, in front of the entire fan base um, over and over again before uh, before they decided, you know, to, to end the two-day experiment. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it was a little bit longer than than two days, but not not much. Um, so anyway, yeah, that's uh, that's sort of where we are, and um, I think I think that's probably what's for the best. My guess is that Mankata will start here and there. He may start a game against a uh, against a right-handed pitcher um, against the Jays, so you may get to see him. He's uh, 
very physically impressive. All right. Well, we'll move on from from him to players that have already blossomed um, because we have a lot of MVP talk, of course, as we enter this final month of the season. And, of course, Blue Jays know we have the MVP on our team and would like to have him again. But this fellow named Mookie Betts seems to have made a name for himself this year. What do you think about that that MVP competition? Uh, I I mean it's really interesting, right? Uh, is is there? Uh, I I don't know what the answer is. There's also um, Justin I, I think Upton. If, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think if I had a vote, I'd vote for Mike Trout. Um, just like I I would have last year, just like I would have the year before, and also the year before, and I think the year before that too. Uh, <laughs> But given that Trout faces that, you know, not only the voter fatigue, but also that the Angels <laughs> suck, yes, you know, the race which, has definitely opened up. Which is his fault, by the way. Um, of Mike course, Trout yes. It's his fault that his pitchers are all injured, right? Horrible job of, uh, of pitching, and um, he continually um, hits pitchers in the knee with, with a frying pan over and over. <laughs> bizarre behavior. Um, it's probably going to cost him idol. the MVP, that, that frying it, pan. It, it should. It should, quite <laughs> frankly. Um uh, so, so, I mean, uh, who would I pick, Betts or Donaldson? Is that your question? Sure. Okay. Uh, I mean, I think this year I'd probably pick Donaldson. It, I think it's close, but I think I'd, I think I'd pick Donaldson. Um, you know, there's a, there's a little more power. There's a good bit more on base. Um, you know, they're both plus defenders. Uh, you know, Mookie's a great base runner. My assumption is that Donaldson is an average base runner, so you know Betts has an advantage there. Um, but I think on the whole, I think I think Donaldson is has been a better player, and I, and I would also argue probably more important to his team. So if you're if you're one of those people who believes in the word value, um, if you think the uh, the award is not the most valuable player award, it's the most valuable player award. <laughs> no. I wanted to be introduced that way when they handed it out. <laughs> just whisper the first and third words and then scream valuable. Um, yeah. So I, I think I would, I'd probably uh, vote for Donaldson now, uh, but that said, you know, there's what, 25, 27, something more games left to play. So we will see there. They are close enough that I think that gap can close. Um, although uh, I'd still vote for Mike Trout. He's All right. Still, he's really, the most really valuable good. player. <laughs> I'd even vote for Mike Trout for president um, at this point. And I'm not even American. Uh, yeah. uh, he couldn't be that uh, bad given, as president, given, right? Given the options available, I think it's quite possible. <laughs> All right. Before we get too political, uh, I hope uh, I hope we sweep the Red Sox. And maybe uh, maybe we can hear uh, taste your tears from afar um, this weekend. Um, if you'd like to wish ill of, of our team, this is your opportunity. <laughs> Oh, uh, rare gift. No. <laughs> no, you know what I was thinking before uh, before you guys called though is is I think it's interesting. I mean, we're we're all baseball prospectus people. We're all big baseball fans. We're you know uh, as far as as far as I can tell, we're all nice people um, with similar interests. And and yet when it comes to this one weekend series, we're actually you know wishing sadness upon each other. <laughs> <laughs> There will be chirping online, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah, well, that's good, man. That's what that's that's kind of what it uh, what's what's all about, right? Making making fun of people and hurting their feelings. 
Yeah, totally. That's yeah. Uh, that's really the basis of most friendship. Um, <laughs> g- given that, given that, I will give you an opportunity to throw your Twitter handle out there one more time before we let you go for the night, so that any Jays fans can join in on the tripping. Oh boy, yeah, yeah. Come, come and get me, Jays fans. It's uh, <laughs> at Maddie Maddie. <laughs> at Matty Matty 2000 um, I, I am a nice person and I don't like people saying mean things to me so uh, that, that does hurt my feelings I, I, am, I am very easy to, uh, to injure emotionally but, uh, but, I, but I will say it is, it is always fun to talk with uh, Blue Jays fans um, and uh, I find a lot, of, a lot of Jays fans that I interact with on Twitter are, are very, uh, very smart about baseball and it's, it's always a treat so anyone wants to, to, uh, to follow me or, or tweet at me please do all right, sounds good. The always open-minded, uh, except he's horribly misguided in his fandom, Matt Corey. We will speak to you again sometime in the near future, hopefully. Take it easy. All right, good. Thank you very much. And we are back. Uh, I, I like talking to Matt. He's a, he's a level-headed fellow. I, we yes, need more of those in the baseball world. Strange, especially after us before this. Like, oh, can we try to find something good because it's been so bad? Uh, yeah, it's funny that the teams have basically identical records, but we have these varying perspectives because of how we got there. Uh, we have listener questions now. I have, I've not looked at the listener questions. Normally, we do a pre-read. You did a little pre-read, and you thought it would be best if I just had to answer them which obviously they're not going to be research heavy so you go <laughs> okay so i'm going to read these in two blocks oh good well the, the common theme first one from joanna at hum and chuck why does everything hurt so bad <laughs> second one from jason dakins at dakins 24 why do the baseball gods hate us so much <laughs> From Zahir at Zeroid, please remind me why baseball is good, because right now I'm pretty sure it's bad. <laughs> Mark Gillis, will the Jays ever score again? Hey, how you doing? How did the Jays win again? I ask you how. <laughs> Noel Moxon, what do you do with this bad week? Zero for eight running for, uh, runners in scoring position tonight. Uh, <laughs> and then, and then the, the last three ask us for, for coping. Well, okay, From Brian A., how long does it sting for you guys after a loss like this? A few minutes, a day? We had Emily ask us what our favorite comfort food was <laughs> for games like this. <laughs> and Brendan Kuhn asked what song best represents the Blue Jays road trip. So basically, everybody's depressed right now. <laughs> so, well, it's good to know that it's not just us. That's part of sports fandom, right? The, the comfort of knowing that other people hate your, your team just as much as you do at any given moment. And love yeah. it as well, of course. When things we are going your pain, well. guys. Yeah, we told we're there. We're absolutely there. So, um... oh, I miss Brendan Panikars. This one was kind of funny. Can we have a Blue Jays therapy group to discuss our stresses of the playoff race with a professional? I think this would be a good idea. Uh, I think that's uh, a concern. Absolutely, I think winning is the therapy, right? Obviously, as as, as cliche as it is. Well, we would forget all about this week if next week the, the Jays are up by three games again, which is totally possible. Uh, I was Oh, here's... I said this on Twitter to someone specifically, and I don't know if I actually tweeted it out, but you have to remember that a championship baseball team that just destroys its division... The Cubs. ...will lose for two months... 
total in the season, i.e. if you just piled all the wins together and piled all the losses, you would still be sitting through a two-month period of losses if the team went 102 and 63. How many games is this team playing? (laughs) Sorry, 102 and 60. There you go. So you're still two solid months of nothing but losses. That's how baseball punishes you. It's also basically four months of wins. But when you when you go through a chunk of losses uh, in a row, I know it feels bottomless. Yes, the Jays will win again. Yes, the Jays will score again. They may score first. I would like to see them score a lot, obviously. Comfort food. I'm partial to s'mores. They make me feel better. <laughs> Interesting. S'mores. Uh, it's kind of more of a, like a campfire thing. I'm not really watching the Jays and around a campfire. Well, this is after they lose. You go back to the fire pit and you make some s'mores. <laughs> He's watching watching baseball when you're on your camping. I have a fire pit in my backyard. Oh, that's pretty nice. Again, I, I have an apartment building. I don't have one of those. I have an electric s'mores maker I could courier to you. My daughter doesn't need it anymore because we have a fire pit. <laughs> okay, I'm sending you my email address. <laughs> uh, the other my thing... actual address. Jeez, wow. Wow. You, what you want to do... disoriented me. But, uh... <laughs> is, is put a Reese's... Well, are you allergic to peanuts? No. Okay, so you want to put a Reese's peanut butter cup instead of just a, a square of chocolate with the marshmallow and the graham crack- cracker. That sounds all kinds of amazing. And then you're I good. I actually found a new coping mechanism <laughs> to Blue Jays' losses. Uh, do you have a, a coping mechanism and or... I mean, this podcast is our coping mechanism. I know that. We've mentioned that yeah. before. 100%. <laughs> uh, no. I mean, I just sort of go to sleep, cry myself to sleep, <laughs> wake up fine. <laughs> and then in the morning, it's it's all over again. I, to me, I would I would wonder what I would be like as a football fan. Because there's literally nothing you can do for like six or seven days. Yeah, don't play every week. You play once a week. Once a week to chew on a loss. You don't even have 24 hours to chew on a loss a lot of times in baseball. It's like, well, we'll be back at it in 11 and a half hours because there's a day yeah. game. Like, whoa. Yep. So we actually had a, a real question where people were asking for our opinion on something as opposed to just, hey, help they, us. They please. do that? <laughs> people still want to know what we think. Okay, fair. I know. <laughs> I don't understand why they, want to, why they want to know what we think either. But So this one comes from Jenna. Came in via Facebook. Who is the worst defender? Since we were talking about the Jay Scrappy defense earlier. Jose Bautista or Michael Saunders? Oh, uh, at this stage in the career, my my money is on Jose Bautista. Just Can I elaborate. Just, just uh, the bone, the, the 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 range of Mr. Saunders is is limited, but he knows it's limited, so he plays like that. Bautista plays like he still has the range he had seven or eight years ago, uh, and I think it's getting around that Bautista's arm. Although last night I understand he made a real good throw, it, it is generally kind of shot. Uh, so there's not that threat anymore either. That's my take. Yeah, I happen to agree with you. I mean, part of the impetus for the questions like this is that recent inside the park home run a couple podcasts ago when Saunders just completely missed the ball in right center field. Um, but I think you covered it pretty well, really. It's just like Saunders has, you know, he's kind of just a guy now, whereas he used to be good, whereas Bautista... He's just a zoo. <laughs> but I think it's by DRS, your defensive run save. He's minus 10, despite having been injured a lot this season. Oof. 
That's Jose Zutista. That's what we're going to call him in the outfield. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny because uh, I was actually talk- going back and forth with Gregor Chisholm about this. That we, why don't teams run on Bautista anymore? Or, or now. It's like he clearly can't throw. And then he uncorks this great throw you talked about from the corner to nail. I think it was Darlin Castro at second base. But for the most part, there are situations where a good throw is needed and he just can't do it. He, you know, he can't reach back for it anymore. No. And well, he's... Because of that, when he threw his arm out trying to throw out. Who was it at first base? Someone on the Orioles. Oh, someone slow. It wasn't Chris Davis, though. I... Did they have Delman Young? Was it him? Maybe. Yeah. Anyway, but uh, yeah, so no, that really came back to haunt them a little bit. Forever. <sighs> okay, so that does uh, sum up our questions. So we move on to... Now, I don't know if this is technically a do-over. This is, uh, this is uh, an apology in a way to buck in that he we're equal opportunity yeah hecklers <laughs> which is to say when we start reading about other announcers it turns out buck and tabler really aren't that far out of line with some of the stuff they say so there's two tweets we have one from uh bill uh, at the platoon advantage so that's bill underscore tpa if you want to follow him on twitter lots of baseball stuff there here's his tweet tim laudner said the Twins don't want Brian Dozier to be a 40-homer guy. Really must remember to change the channel the minute the game ends. So he's <laughs> he's the post-game guy on the Twins broadcast. Why would you not want your second baseman to be a 40-home run guy? That, that would be the most American League second baseman home runs ever, would it not? Oh, I maybe... I believe it's like 2002 or 2003. That's the, the was the record was like 38 or 39. So Red Boone. Um, yeah. It's, it's, see, now I would get something like this if it was, you know, remember when Aaron Hill had that homer binge and then he just sold out for power and couldn't do anything else. Right. If his only Brian, 40 hits were homers. <laughs> yeah. Brian Dozier has a career high batting average as well and a career high on base percentage to go with his 40 homers. He's clearly just an awesome hitter. <laughs> And they, you wouldn't well, – like, can you imagine being in spring training at the, with the Twins and going, well, I think Dozier has a chance to uh, hit 40 home runs this year. And someone go, ooh, we don't want that. That would be unfortunate. Which actually would be really Twins thing to do. No, totally. The other one is also about Brian Dozier, though we didn't look for Brian Dozier comments. Uh, so against the Royals, Dozier hit uh, two home runs – I believe when this was tweeted, but then there was a third home run. Same game. Uh, I think it was the next game. Next I think game. He had three in the same game. So Ryan Parker, uh, R A underscore Parker. Royals no, he did hit three in the same game. No, I, yeah. I stand corrected. Yeah. So I think this was after the second one. Royals announcers are terrible. They reminisce about how back in the good old days, Dozier would Dozier would take one in the ribs. Chuckles, just how we did it. Okay, first of all, the Royals still do it. <laughs> <laughs> There is no back in the day about that. Second of all, let it die. It's ridiculous. This guy is better than me. We should try and injure him to teach him a lesson. That's definitely one of the stupidest baseball notions ever. I mean, at least it's like the guy showed me up. I can at least somewhat understand that because, you know, ego is getting in the way. It's like this guy just tried to make me look bad. But if a guy just does well, hey. Tip your cap and move on, or get him out next time. Yep. Pitch better, if you don't like it. 
so yeah apparently a good majority a good chunk of the announcers out there say things that uh, fill the time but don't really stand up to any further examination at all and and just on this topic because we're sort of being nice to buck he was really good on today's broadcast i'm no i didn't hear the the announcer for the last few innings because we were recording with matt Corey, but you know, he, he was actually again as an analyst. He does know what he's doing. You know, he, there was a play where Travis went in the hole to field a ball, and for some reason tried to get in front of it instead of backhanding it, and completely missed it. And he was just commenting. It's like, okay, here's what you should do. And he was really quite good. And I, I continue to stand by Buck as an analyst slash color guy. One hundred percent. I, I don't I don't think he's the greatest in the world, but I think he understands that job and does that job quite well. So if ever Sportsnet would sort that out, it would be super awesome. Because <laughs> they come close with Dan Schulman in the booth and Tabler on vacation. Although Tabler has not been on vacation for this no. stretch, and it has been loud. <laughs> there was actually, during that same stretch, Schulman was calling the game, doing his job, and then Buck comes in with a great analysis, and then Tabler comes in with his platitudes, and it's just, oh. God, get around the booth. Um, yeah, but we will rag on them maybe next week because it looks like we are running out of time for the podcast, which means I get to give you an opportunity to give me a final thought. You got something? Yeah, more of a final note. Apparently, the Blue Jays are interested in Tim Tebow. I'm going to leave that right there. I don't even want to. No, no, no. I don't care if he sucks. <laughs> Just stick him into a minor league affiliate and keep them happy because you know that fans are going to come to watch him play. It's like the Long Island Ducks, how they do their stuff in the independent leagues. <sighs> to be fair, okay. For for the, the circus freak sideshow aspect of it, Tim Tebow all the way. Uh, my final note is the belated slightly congratulations to Joaquin Benoit on his 1,000th career strikeout. Yay. Uh, round numbers are cool. It's also tough to stick around in the league and be quality that long. So I'm glad he's uh, he's still getting strikeouts and being decent for the Jays most of the time. Still hasn't given up an earned run with the Blue Jays. And Biagini gave up his first home run this week. That was a shame. Should I end on that note? No, because Biagini had a pretty good night tonight. Yeah. Biagini's probably the highlight of the bullpen this week, would you say? Not much to choose from, but yes. He and yeah. Benoit. There you go. The two bees. Yeah. Killer bees. <laughs> All right. So you have been Joshua Housem at Joshua Housem. I have been Greg Wisniewski at Coolhead2010. And our guest this week was Matthew Corey at MattyMatty2000. This has been episode number 28 of Artificial Turf Wars. And we will see you next week.